All right, so here we are now. And what I thought we would do today is just discuss a little bit on the farthest reaches of this world. And we'll look at this in two main ways. One is geographically, and another is in terms of the mind, in terms of thought. And these two ways are connected, as we will see. And the way I think about this is, how far is the end of the world? Or how far is it to reach the other side of the planet? And to think, there was a time, in some ways by some measures it's only been quite recently since this has changed, that your basic assumption was that the world was flat. The planet wasn't a planet as in a ball, but it was just flat and somehow there was something at the end of the world. Whether it's a cliff that just drops off, or it's just the water falling off, or it's just nothing. And to think of that and to see, okay, well... What would life look like? What would my assumption be? What would my sort of worldview look like under those circumstances with that belief? And you see immediately that, well, there is room for wiggling because you might say, well, we don't know how far the end of the world is. It might be much further than you think. We don't know exactly what is at the end of the world. We don't know what is under the world. So there's wiggle room within this belief. And then there's also the more sort of realness or the real sort of implication to this, which is that it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. When you're living under that belief, your number one concern is not to say, How do I get to the end of the world? Right? To have that impulse to say, oh, if there was an end of the world, if there was an edge, I would want to find it. I would want to go there. Right? (laughs) This is not the case at all. Normally, you would just sit with your normal things that occupy you. Survival. Food, shelter, sex, community, socializing, economics, resources, all the rest of it, right? Just normal life would be there. And that's what you would do. That's the life that you would have. Now, to (laughs) look at the history of this and to see that, well, what was his name? I think his name was Ferdinand Magellan, something like that. He was the first person to actually say, okay, let's sail around the world. And he was a Portuguese explorer. And that expedition, you can see immediately that that's a full-time expedition. That's going to take a commission from the government. You're going to need a crew. You're going to need supplies. You're going to need knowledge. Right, Because if you did have the intuition to say, how do I reach the other side of the world? Well, you'd have to figure out your logistics. 
Are there going to be supplies on the way? Are you going to learn to navigate the weather? And of course, it does make sense to go on ship rather than on foot. In some ways, by by sailing is more efficient <laughs> than taking a crew of horse-drawn carts in a kind of convoy. But to think from that to where we are now, what would it take for you to reach the other side of the world? Well, it would probably cost you a few thousand dollars in a plane ticket and you would have to have probably a few flights. You know, you'd have to have connecting flights and you'd probably have some layovers. But all in all, you're probably looking at about two to three days of travel. Two to three days of travel to reach the end of the world, to reach the other side of the planet. And all it took was, well, you can book your flights online. You can book your plane ticket online. And for our Portuguese explorer, Ferdinand, he, well, spent years. He spent his whole life. It was his, really, defining existence to reach the other side of the world, to sail around the world. But you see that it's not just money and logistics that does this, because you don't have the thought to say, I'm going to go to the other side of the world. Because if you were to actually do that, that would immediately encroach upon, well, your exact situation. Okay, well, I have to get time off work. I have to say goodbye to my friends, my family. I have to have something to do, right? What am I going to do there? What's the point of being there? Is it just tourist holiday or do I have an agenda? There needs to be some sort of motivation. And that limit, that thing of, well, why would I even think to go to the other side of the world is exactly the same as someone who lives in the age when it's generally accepted that the world is flat and yet they would never think to go to the end of the world. Now, of course, we don't want to get technical into the history because there is a difference between sailing around the world and discovering that the earth is round. (laughs) I know that there's a difference. We don't need to get bogged down into that. I'm just simply trying to illustrate this point as to where you're at in your worldview. What is it that you feel? What is it that you think in relation to the limits? And really, we need to be explorers. Really, we need to have the intuition to say, ah, what is it that's going to drive me and keep me motivated to find the end of the world? Because you see that this is an exact correlation with the mind. We can say exactly the same thing about the way you think. The way you think about yourself. The way you explain events to yourself. The way you explain what other people are 
to you? Most of the time, we just have the explanations that are fed to us. And they work. We're just concerned with them and we're operating under them. We're just sort of having our life and living it out. And we don't think to say, how far can I push this? And it is a process, right? To, To reach the furthest ends of your mind, you're going to need mechanisms. You're going to need to know the mechanics. You're going to need resources. You're going to need a crew, in a sense. (laughs) And it is going to be a lifelong, big expedition. It takes time. It really takes commitment. It's really going to need you to upend your life and your beliefs in so many ways. And really, an idea is just another step in that journey. It's a step closer. And you could say, well, some ideas are off the path. Some some ideas don't bring you to the end of the world. They bring you in circles. <laughs> but really, if we're actually considering this as a plan as a kind of overall goal for what we want that journey to be, then ideas you learn to recognize as taking you towards that goal or not. That's sort of almost an idea on ideas. (laughs) It's almost like your compass for this journey. And each idea does only bring you a small step of the way. Each idea might only be a day's sailing or a resupply or something to help stock you up, a resource of some sort. And when you realize this, well, you see that the game is to find more ideas. What's the idea of the mind? What's the idea of belief? What's the idea of how things work? What's the idea of perception? What is this idea of life? What are all the ideas of life I need to explore? And it is such that individuals do reach the end of their mind. They reach the farthest reaches. They go as far as they can. They go around the world by the equivalent of their mind. And in some ways, it's considerably easier to do that. Because what you can explore in your mind, you do while sitting on your couch at home. To have these gross physical, biological journeys that involve the sailing ship and the crew, well, that's quite, it's quite brutal. It's quite painstaking. And yet also, it is not quite so common for someone to (laughs) traverse the edges of their mind. 
It's not easy to find the right ideas. It's not common to stumble upon those ideas which would lead down that road, which lead you on that journey. And of course, it's well worth it. Of course, it is something that, in so many ways, doesn't need a sales pitch, right? (laughs) The people who were setting out to sail around the world, or to discover the world, or to explore the world, they didn't have someone come to them with the sales pitch, Right? They didn't have someone come to them and say, look, you really need to do this. This will be really good for you to do this. There's a lot of wealth in this for you, even though, of course, <laughs> in many cases there was. In some cases there wasn't. In some cases there was death. Right? If you go sailing and you don't find resources, you don't find certain things, well... You die. And that's not even to say anything about actually falling off the edge of the world. (laughs) But this whole thing of, oh, you know, what's in it for me? Why do I really need to do this? Like, I've got this comfortable life. Why don't I just stick with that? It's working for me now. Why do I need to go off and explore? Well, that's so far off the mark. That is so far beyond just being that person with an intrinsic desire to explore. So it's not for me to convince you that finding the furthest reaches of your mind is one of the most important things you can do with your life. And it's not for me to explain exactly why it is that that is, in so many ways, critical when going to the other side of the world is not, physically speaking, geographically speaking, And yet, that brings me back to a point which I said at the beginning, which is these two things are connected. Because you realize that where you're at now, you're not going to have the ideas come to you. What you need for the next leg of the journey is not going to come to you until you actually make that journey. And you can sense when you've been in a place too long. You can sense when things are stale. You can sense when you've seen the same thing. Just ask yourself now, whatever you're looking at now, have you seen this before? Whatever you're doing right now, have you done this before? And throughout your day, the things that you're doing today, have you done this before? Are you in a rut? Are you in these habits And it might be that (laughs) 
Listening to me is something you've done before. And what I have to ask you is, well, what's the point? Is this really getting through to you? Or is my voice just another piece of the everyday furniture? It's just that same set of traffic lights that you drive through every day. It's that same job that you go to. It's that same meal that you eat. Because really, you need to shock yourself out of that. You need to be sensing how dramatic it is for you to be boarding a ship that will be sailing for years and might not return. And when you realise how stale things are, and you have a deep fire in you, that's when you realise, ah, I need to get the hell out of here and I need to get to somewhere which is completely different in every way. And the logical... (laughs) The logical answer to that is, well, I'm going to go to the other side of the world. I'm going to hop on a plane. It's going to be three flights. It's going to cost me you know, $2,000 or something ridiculous. I can't afford that normally anyway. And I don't know what I'm going to find, but I'm going to go there. I'm going to do it. And from there, I will find something new. From there, I'll have the next idea. From there, I will be able to open to the next leg of the journey. And all the while you'll be thinking about the edge of the world as it is the edge of your mind. Now, I will mention just before we finish that... One of the things that is related to this is non-location experiencing. And that is one of the meditative techniques that we use for exploring the furthest reaches of your mind. It's a visualization process. And if you'd like to learn about that, if you'd like to do that, then you can enroll in my online course on time travel. So... Time travel has many techniques, many processes that can bring you to the edge of your mind and to open, expand your mind beyond its farthest reaches. But the most relevant one is non-location experiencing. And that's something you can do in the comfort of your home, sitting on your couch. That's really how you reach the edge of the world by ways of the mind. So... Go ahead, enroll in that course. There will be a link somewhere in the description for this video. You can check it out. Otherwise, thanks very much. And we'll be back soon with more.